0: Hello, and welcome back to this special podcast series on beating the midlife spread. In this series, which was originally offered as a live workshop, which is pretty obvious when you listen to it, Monica Reinagle and I are sharing our best research-backed advice for fine-tuning your nutrition, your fitness, and your lifestyle so that you can remain strong, healthy, and active through midlife and beyond. The resources and related materials that you'll hear us mention are available on the series webpage at wayless.life slash midlife. In the last episode, we focused on fitness and movement, diet and nutrition, and in this episode, we're turning our attention to sleep and stress. Here we go.
1: So let's push forward and talk just a little bit about sleep, because I know that people so often struggle with with sleep as they get into into middle age and this can definitely be a contributor to that midlife spread because when we're not when we're under rested we're not sleeping as well it can definitely increase our appetite you are not imagining that (laughs) you are probably you probably feel subjectively hungrier you don't necessarily need more food but you feel hungrier and you may be craving carbs and starches when you're not sleeping so that's a problem your body also perceives lack of sleep as stress. It raises your stress hormone, your cortisol levels, and that's not helpful because cortisol is one of cortisol's jobs. <laughs> one of the ways it tries to help you is by helping you store more fat. And then also when you're under, chronically underrested because you're not sleeping as well, you got less energy for movement, and that becomes kind of a downward spiral because, of course, when we're more active, we sleep better, <laughs> and then we have more energy for movement, and that spiral can go both ways. So, you know, I'm always asking why? Why does sleep become more elusive with age? <laughs> and some of it is definitely physiological. Our sleep re- rhythms, our brain rhythms do change as we age. That's one of those things we can't do a whole lot about. Some of it, though, is bad habits that we've gotten into. We're drinking too much booze before bed does not help us sleep. We're drinking caffeine too late in the day. We're spending too much time on our screens. We're indulging in screen time that's highly stimulating or anxiety prov- provoking. You know, we're, we're nursing our, our various anxieties. Some of those bad habits you know, have a huge effect on sleep. So this is another one of our, our theme for the evening. There's some stuff we can't control, but there's so much more than we can control. And that's what we're going to focus on.
0: As far as sleep goes, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned was actually from a a fellow named Dr. Parsley, Dr. Kirk Parsley, who is a a former Navy SEAL who became a a sleep specialist. And (laughs) he told us he changed my life when he said, in the middle of the night, when you wake up, if you wake up in the middle of the night, get rid of all the clocks in in your bedroom. If you have your phone near the bed, don't touch it, because the only thing you need to know is that it is not time to wake up. You don't need to know what time it is because that will just cause a lot of stress about not being asleep. And that stress about not being asleep will cause you to not sleep. And that just, it just cascades like that. So I always hear Dr. Parsley's voice in my head when I wake up and think, I wonder what time it is. Like, it doesn't matter. It's not time to wake up. That's all I need to know. Put it out of your head and go back to sleep. Because that, that stress component, like Monica was talking about it, the, the cortisol is, uh, is i mean it keeps us alive it 's an important hormone, but it can uh, it can wreak havoc on things if it 's chronically elevated
1: and another way to kind of lower your stress about not sleeping is to realize that we we also may need a little bit less sleep as we get older, so mm-hmm. we don 't have to freak out if we 're not getting all eight hours because we may function fine without it if we don't then, you know, compound it with the stress and keep ourselves up worrying about it. And you may actually be humans didn't, don't actually have a biological pattern of going to bed and sleeping for eight hours. There's a lot of research that shows that the natural sleeper than may be a lot more complex than that. So, you know, it's okay if your sleep pattern is different as long as it's working for you.
0: Yeah. There's a great book. Um, by a guy, I can't remember what it was called, but he basically outlined all these um, chronotypes. That was mm-hmm. very interesting about how we all have different kind of chronotypes. He assigns different animals and stuff to it, and it really made me feel much better about my weird, my weird, because I don't sleep eight hours straight through, like we've been told by pop culture that we need to do, because I don't do that. I thought I was weird until I read this book. I'm like, oh, I'm just a dolphin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I often have a little wakeful period in the middle of the night too and the way I've solved that is I go to bed earlier mm-hmm. then if I'm awake for that hour I can I can read I can do I usually use do a breathing exercise or something and then I'm not freaking out because like well I have to sleep and then you know by the time it's time to get up I have actually gotten enough sleep so there's a lot of ways around it but
0: yeah um, consistency that was that that's a really good yes. one, Monica is being consistent no matter how many hours you're getting consistency can actually make up for a lot of that lost sleep
1: yeah all right so listen guys um little interaction from you here before we step into our last little point and that is i want you to identify right now this is truth telling time what is one thing that you know could do to improve your sleep sleep quality that you're not doing type it in we're going to hold you accountable what could you do most of us have a couple of like well there's probably that i should stop doing like brock when you said if your phone's next to your bed i was like oh what is your phone doing next to your bed?
0: <laughs> if it is next to your bed, it better be in airplane mode. So, cause. What
1: what could you do? What do you know you could be doing that would probably improve your sleep quality or quantity?
0: Oh, I saw Julie sleep B said pain. exercise more. That's a great one. There's a bit of a virtuous cycle that happens. Yep. When we get more movement in our day, we sleep a little bit deeper, which gives us more energy the next day to get a little more movement in our day, which helps us sleep yep. better, which gives us more energy. It's that virtuous cycle. I, I love that. Yep. Less screen time before bed. Yes. For absolutely. sure.
1: For sure. And it's not just about the blue light. It's also about the stimulation. That's, you know, we're watching these, these really upsetting Netflix, the addictive Netflix things that get us all revved up emotionally too. Yeah. Guided meditation for sure. We um, included uh, links to all of our favorite sleep and meditation apps in your resources. So if you've never tried any of those, yes, get to bed earlier. That is the key. Yeah, I look
0: for um, virtuous cycles all the time, Debbie. There, are, there are two things I keep my eyes out for. It's a virtuous cycle, something that feeds another habit and helps them both. And uh, and Monica actually calls that a, a keystone, a keystone, a turnkey habit, keystone habit, yeah, keystone habit, yeah. The ones that just sort of work together so well that you can't even imagine at some point having one without the other.
1: One final thing that we want to invite you to think about is how you can make yourself a little bit more of a priority.
0: Yeah, I mean when when we were young it really feels like and we're not all the same but I know when I was young I felt like time was just sort of I had tons of it there was always there was always more time to do things but as we get older and especially if we have children or if we have dependents at home time management and and having a realistic view of how much you can actually fit into a day becomes even more important when we talk about things like self-care the stuff that we're talking about tonight and often that means acknowledging the fact that every time you say yes to something every time you commit to a new endeavor or a new I don't know meeting or something in your life you're also saying no to something else and often those things that we're saying no to are exactly the things that we're talking about tonight things like meal planning getting more movement into your day even just planning your your exercise time, getting to bed earlier, all of that kind of stuff just goes out the window. And we've got to be much more, we've got to be kinder to ourselves. We've got to remember that we have needs. And those needs, if they go unmet, well, that means we're not going to reach our goals. We're not going to be those happy, vivacious people that we want to be. So make sure that you're you're putting priority on yourself and that you are looking at your day in terms of how much you can actually fit into it and and be kind to yourself. Yeah, that perfect Jen. Kindness matters to yourself as well. You don't just have to be kind to other people. And this can really learning how to control your stress levels can really be be helpful as well. And I'm not talking about you don't have to be a yogi, you don't have to go to some silent retreat for 10 days or something, just learning things like some some meditation tricks. Or for me, it was breathing, learning some breathing meditations that, like, I, I do six breaths now, and I can completely reset, well... <laughs> I was going to say I can completely reset my nervous system. That's the way it feels, though. I don't know what I'm actually doing to my nervous system. I don't have that ability to look inside myself, but that's how I feel. And it's taken a bit of practice, but it's definitely possible. And that really feeds into that being kind to yourself and being aware of your your own feelings and not just throwing yourself under the bus all the time for other people's agendas. So that that's my my last big point, I guess, or our big last point here.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it comes down to setting some boundaries and not trying to do everything that everybody asks us to do and wants us to do. And I bet you could think of a few things if you were if you're being honest, we say now, that um that you could actually say no to or offload or delegate that would allow you to make more time for yourself. And, you know, this is the time to, to start flexing that muscle. You know, the people that are depending on you, they'll survive. They'll, they'll grow some new muscles too. So.
0: And Um, sometimes one of the keys to doing that is actually building a support system for yourself of people who are like-minded or involved in the same sort of activities or
1: like us, like like this community right here. Right.
0: Yes. That's one of the greatest things about our Waylast program is we do have this wonderful community that that supports each other and and does that but you don't have to join Waylast to to do that. We had a a person call into the the Change Academy podcast and talk about how she joined a a powerlifting group yeah. online. Like it wasn't in person, it was just online and they just yeah. she found it so inspiring to talk to people who were doing similar things and and I I know there's a few people chimed in when I was talking about the empty nest and sometimes that empty nest, you lose your, your, yeah. come isolated. And that's not, um, we know that that's not good for our mental health to be, be in isolation. So, all
1: right. So I just want to say, I saw, when I asked you to identify one thing that you could do that would improve your sleep quality, I saw a lot of good ideas. So no excuses. you know what you need to do. You've got your marching orders. Um, that's That's gotta be something that you take seriously. And, th- and the same token thinking about like, what do I need to eliminate here in order to make room for self-care and, and, um, and the things that are important to me that I value.
0: Okay, so we've almost reached the end of our series. But before we segue into the final Q&A episode, we want to invite you to pause the recording and take a few moments to think about how you might answer the questions we posed to the live audience during this workshop. What one thing do you know you could do to improve your sleep quality? And what's stopping you from doing it? What tasks or projects would you need to offload in order to make more time for yourself? And what time wasters are you indulging in? And when you're ready, we will conclude with some of the Q&A from our live workshop that we think you will find relevant. Okay. Are our our resistance yeah. bands and bodyweight exercises just as good as lifting weights for your bones? For your yes. Bones. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, in fact the the thing that kicks off the one of the biggest um production of the the webbing that's inside our bones that makes them, that keeps them strong and supple there's a difference between like some of those um medications that we take for osteoporosis actually make our bones hard and we want our bones to be actually be a little squishy and a little little bendy that's happy bones to are, Bend, not break exactly and uh one of the things that actually does that is the tugging, like our muscles like, let 's say we 've got a bone, the muscle is attached here, the muscle is attached here when that muscle is activated it 's actually pulling on the bone and giving it that that nice flexing, which kicks off the the production of those that webbing inside your your muscles so it 's not necessarily just weight bearing I mean we talk about axial loading in terms of of uh, like putting like a big barbell let's say across your your back or if you're carrying water buckets in then old-timey farm and you're you're loading your entire axis sure that that does help with um keeping your bones nice and strong but so does that tugging action that happens on each end of the bone when you're when you're flexing and when you're doing strength training so the The weight bearing exercise, walking, for example, is a wonderful weight bearing exercise, and then uh, and then doing the strength training, whether you're using heavy super duper muscle man style weights or whether you're using resistance bands, it's uh it really just has to do with uh, what what you're able and what you're capable and comfortable doing.
1: All right, let me give you a break, Brock, and uh, answer Stacy's question. Right. she says she's losing. <laughs> She says she like sells seashells she sells by the seashore. No, she's losing the the lose it app to track her calories. But when she enters exercise, it adds calories to the day. And while she's happy to eat more, she's confused. Should I eat more? Is that just wrecking the day? I hate this um, feature of these calorie trackers because it reinforces this idea that the purpose of exercise is to burn calories, which it is not. Um, and if you, yeah, so I have, I have a podcast on this, um, Stacy. But what I would suggest, if you're using the Lose It app to track your calories and you feel like that's something that's useful for you right now, um, don't enter your exercise. Just keep your exercise completely out of the app. Don't worry about it. Do it because you love it. Do it because it makes you feel good. Do it because it's healthy for you and completely ignore what it's doing for your calories. And keep in mind that the calories that Lose It tells you you're allowed to eat is is just a wild ass guess pardon my French. Anyway, so,
0: that's <laughs> actually a medical term, the, the wag.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Scientific wild ass guess. So,
0: oh, yeah, swag. That's right.
1: So that's my workaround. Stacy, don't put your exercise in the app. Or if you, yeah, I know you might want to track your exercise, track it somewhere else, track it in your notes app. All right, what do we got? Um, there's um, a question about sustained um, cardio, like, a lo- like an hour long bike ride and cortisol levels oh, that if yes. that's... If that's increasing your cortisol levels. Could that be hindering weight loss? Can you Very answer astute. that? Very
0: astute. Yes, um, it definitely can raise your your cortisol levels, and more importantly, it can lower your testosterone and growth hormone levels. Um, now, we are talking quite extreme amounts of of chronic cardio to really have uh, those sort of deleterious effects. Um, but I would much rather see you do um, some slower sort of aerobic stuff throughout the day and then like i said the some high intensity stuff some resistance training and uh, and just living more of an active lifestyle than going out for that really long cardio kind of workouts it again i think a lot of us are are slightly addicted to that because of the the calorie count that's um that's associated with it we've got it in our heads that we need to go out and do these long episodes because then we we're vindicated in having our brunch after after <laughs> we're done and sorry I, I don't mean to be making fun we're all victims here we've been sold a bum rap and we've got to the the quicker we can disassociate those things and actually do the activities that we enjoy in ways that we like rather than doing things because we we feel like, so linda's,
1: it's like yeah. Food. linda's saying no she does it because she loves the way it feels she likes to wear herself out um so in that case you might be willing to take on a little cortisol to scratch that ish and i think it probably comes down to recovery you know you, yeah. you want to make sure that you're that you're recovering adequately that's going to be the because your body's producing cortisol all the time cortisol is not the problem
0: no cortisol is what keeps us alive it's what wakes <laughs> us up in the morning if we don't have cortisol we're we're in trouble
1: yeah. It's excessive, constant cortisol that, that is exactly. the problem. So you can deal yeah. with a little cortisol.
0: Yeah. Twice a week, Linda. Perfect. That I was going to say, just don't do it every day. Twice a week is is awesome, especially if it really fires you up and makes you feel good. That's, that's great. And I actually saw somebody along the same lines asked about doing it fasted.
1: Oh, that was Linda. She was just pointing out that she's oh. doing that long fasted. Yeah.
0: Okay. Which is absolutely fine. That's how actually Monica and I both tend to work yeah. out before breakfast, not because it's scientifically proven right. <laughs> to be amazing and the key to longevity and, and weight loss, just because we both find it comfortable. And and, <laughs> and honestly, the the later in the morning that I go without doing my workout, the less likely I am to actually do my workout. So,
1: All right. A couple of questions about how we feel after we exercise if we're feeling stiff if we're feeling sore and achy are we does that a sign that we are helping build muscle is that a sign that we're hurting ourselves is there some way to mitigate so can you talk a little just about stiffness or soreness or aftermath of exercise how much is too much how can we mitigate
0: um where to start um (laughs) a bit of a red red herring um muscle soreness in general you should be able to if if you do a good workout and you get a little bit stiff and and movement the next day is a, a little challenging. Let's say that's all right. That's a sign that you've. Whenever we exercise, we actually put m- minor micro tears into our muscle fibers. Like we actually pull it apart, and that's what creates that. When when it heals, that's when we get stronger muscles. Um, so. So yeah, that, like Sigrid said, um, DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, is actually sometimes a sign that we have done a good workout, but it doesn't stay around for a long time. Like bodybuilders, for example, don't spend their entire lives in DOMS, even though they're still doing that. Our body does adjust and and sort of shift away from from that being a meaningful um, way to measure how, if we got a good workout or not. But there's a difference between being a little bit sore and being so sore that you can't sit down on a chair or stand up from a chair or somebody comes along and touches your arm and you're like, Oh, that's too (laughs) much. And generally that's going to lead to what I refer to as too much too soon syndrome, which usually leads to, to injury, if not burnout and, and just being miserable, like who wants to feel that way all the time. So I'd say if you're feeling a little bit sore, and that makes you feel like, yeah, I had a good workout. Awesome, that's that's good. If you're feeling super duper sore and it's and you can't go to the you can't do a workout for the next two or three days, well, that's not good because consistency is going to get you a lot farther than doing those really hard workouts once a week or once a month. Yeah, doing something a lot more reasonable a few times a week is going to get you a lot farther. Cons- consistency trumps that uh, that uh, the the really hard workouts.
1: Okay, I'm going to have you answer Robert's question. But first, let me address Kim's question. Um, She says, I think I've put my metabolism into starvation mode. If I'm busy or don't have something that I'm looking forward to eating, I just don't eat. Okay, so that's not what starvation mode is. (laughs) I just want to strike this term from the lexicon because there's so much misunderstanding. It's not helpful. Um, The only thing that we need to understand about so-called starvation mode, this is a true physiological feature. It's just almost never what we're talking about when it's invoked. Okay. And what that says is that, and it's also, well, I understand why they called it that. So if you have severe calorie restriction for an extended period of time, okay, so not just going more than three hours between meals or snacks, but like three or four days where you've cut your calorie intake in half or more your body will have a metabolic adaption in an an effort to keep you from starving. We don't want that to happen. And that's why we try not to have such severe calorie restrictions so that we can keep... That's what happened to those poor biggest loser people, Mm. right? So that is starvation mode. It does not happen every three hours. It does not happen if you're not hungry. Um, And I think that not eating when you're not hungry is probably a pretty good strategy unless it's leading you to lose too much weight too quickly, in which case we need to take a look at that. But, um, or if you don't eat because you don't have something you're looking forward to, and then that means that you get super, super hungry and then make terrible choices a little bit later in the day, that's not helpful. But the actual act of being like, yeah, it's lunchtime, but I'm not hungry. That's okay to respect those signals, but that's not starvation mode. And that's not, even if you were in starvation mode, that's not what it would look like. It would actually look like the opposite. (laughs) You'd be, you'd be really, really hungry because you're, yeah. Okay, and so um, Robert, Robert wants to know, and here's a softball for you, Brock, is the 10,000 steps a day rule a marketing scheme?
0: Um, I'm just
1: laughing, Robert, because Brock. this is like, Brock, should, should we get your soapbox out? Waylessers, would you like to answer for Brock?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call it a scheme. It is a slogan. It was uh, actually in, um, I think it was 1960-something in Japan a uh, fellow who came up with uh, a device to count your steps. Um, it sounds really cool in in Japanese to uh, ten thousand steps. I, I wouldn't even attempt to to say it in, out of respect for everyone Japanese. Um, but yes, it is. It was just marketing. It was just a, a catchy way to to refer to this device. But one thing that I will give it is that it does if you walk at a reasonable clip doing ten thousand steps a day does get you to that sort of government mandated uh, 150 minutes of exercise per week um so there's a little bit to it it's it's definitely not a magical number but it's not uh it's not a complete waste of time either the only time it becomes dangerous is when you go done for the day, it's eight o'clock in the morning and I have hit my 10,000 steps and I'm going to sit on my butt for the rest of the day, no matter how much energy I still have because I'm done my exercise for the day. And that's one of the complaints I have about my Apple Watch too, is it actually tells you, tells me when I'm done moving for the day, which is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what, if 10,000 steps is too much or too intense, then what's important is just for you to be pushing yourself further from wherever you are right now to, to repeat what Brock said earlier, you start where you are now, Mm -hmm. not where you think you should be or where somebody else is. So, you know, if 10,000 steps is too much for you, then start where you are and start building your capacity. If it's easy for you, then build your capacity, you know, set yourself a new, a new goal.
0: And if you have any questions about anything you heard in all of these podcast episodes, feel free to email us at info at life, or you can go over to our Wayless Life Facebook group and post your question there. Now, we hope you've enjoyed this special podcast series on beating the midlife spread as much as Monica and I enjoyed putting it together for all of you. We also hope you'll continue to follow the Change Academy podcast for more of our strategies on creating positive and sustainable changes in your life, and of course follow the Nutrition Diva and Upgraded Fitness Podcasts for more on those topics. And you know what? If you'd like even more support in beating the midlife spread, consider joining us in the Way Less program, our year long group coaching program where we help you create the mindsets, the habits and and the lifestyle that lead to weighing less without dieting no matter how old you are. You can learn more about joining our next group on our website at weighless.life. Thanks for listening.